Thank you for taking the time and joining me on another episode of Being Trans. Um, here recently I've been doing a lot of research and it's starting to pay off. Um, which, thank goodness, knock on wood, however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> because I've been getting really frustrated trying to figure out why I am the way I am. Um, some people can say that it is, is um, a mental health issue, which was which has been proven by um, not only the World Health Organization, but uh, American Psychiatric Association and a number of other links to um, European um, organizations such as the European Endocrinologist Association. Um where they're, they're linking and saying, no, this is not a mental health issue, it's a physical health issue. Um, and in my research, I came across um, a doctor by the name of Dr. Powell, um, who, um, or Dr. Powers, sorry, Powers, I shouldn't say Powell. I don't know why I get that one, always so messed up. But he, he alluded to a research about um, DES. Now, if you don't know what DES is, DES was uh, dihydrosol. It's it's a big long word that I do really crappy trying to, but it was a drug that was used in the um, from between 1938 and 1971 um, to help pregnant women avoid now, there's always been some some issues with um, my parents being full disclosures of why there is a huge frigging gap between my sisters and myself. My sisters are 9 and 11 years older than I am. They, and by all intents and purposes, I'm an only child. I wasn't the last child. I'm an only child. Um... Simply because I really have very little in common with my sisters. Um, our personalities are vastly different. Our um, likes and dislikes are extremely different. Um, we have a couple of commonalities, but other than that, not much. Um, and one of the things is, is my sisters, being 9 and 11 years older than I do, than I am, fit into an area where they they were they're only a couple there's only two years separating them but for me nine years separating my middle sister is quite a significant issue and I started wondering because I don't have legal access to my mother's medical records and I will never get them let's just be honest it's not going to happen without a lot of lawyers because everybody including my sisters, my brothers-in-law and my dad and my kids that are over in the States would be so up in arms if I tried to. So I started looking at DES. And I started trying to figure out what are the odds of my mother being exposed to DES. Okay, you have a huge gap of time. 
Now, some of that we can say probably two years was a standard gap. Um, at that, you know, and then my dad was in Vietnam for a period of time too. So we can take probably five years out of that equation easily. So that still leaves a four-year gap of why my parents did not have another sibling. Now, it wasn't from the lack of intercourse because, yeah, it just wasn't. Um, we won't go into that depth and how we know that. Um yeah, that's a, every kid's nightmare. But we need to go into the fact that it is a high possibility because my mom was a military wife. So health care for us growing up was premium. It was some of the best ever. So if my mother had problems with um, miscarriages, my dad might never have known. And... The odds of women having miscarriages still to this very day are still high. So if my mother did have miscarriages, which is quite possible, she would have talked to um, doctors because my mom did not use birth control. Um, in fact, I was about 12 years old when my mom... 11, 12 years old when my mom got a hysterectomy, but she never took birth control ever. So, um, it just wasn't something that my mom was ever going to do. Um, and partially is because the religious aspects that our family had at that time, um, my mother was Catholic. Um, that I have found evidence of. And have always had that um, thought as well. Um, as well as some evidence that I have of my grandmother that she was Catholic. Um, and so my mom has always been one of these type of people that if it's, if it's this, it's this, and this is the way it's going to be. She never really played any games when it came to... Um, belief structures. She was pretty, um, well, my sisters might say she's not very focused, but I think she was. I just think in her own way. So let's say that she had so many miscarriages that they started being concerned. Now I was born in 1969. So if we go, and I was born in August, that means I was conceived in right around 1968 December, okay? Which probably meant right around Christmas. Or if my mother carried early, um, that meant that I could have been born in the new year, but I very seriously doubt that. And my dad was home from the military at that time from Vietnam. So, and looking at my dad's uh, military records at that time as well. So I have done a little bit of digging and have gotten a few things, um, and I've got kind of a narrowed window. But at that same time, if we look at 1969, 1968, it is quite possible that 
was the high point of the use of DES. Now, DES at its high point, from what we understand from the research I've been doing, um, was given to right around 10 million people, 10 million women, at its high point in the U.S. Now, these aren't just everyday women that got this. These are women that were pregnant. So 10 million pregnant women who were possibly experiencing um, unstable pregnancies and had health care that would cover it. My mom fits into those. It, 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 the, the, the links are easy to see. They are present. She fits into the timeline. She fits into having the availability of those types of medicines. She fits into the availability of um, age and risk factors that existed around her age and being pregnant. My mom was in her early 30s. My dad a few years later. So we we have that these are the, the, the factors and the information that I've dug up do put her in probably that 55 to 65% chance of being a um, recipient of this DES drug. Now, there is some arguments from outside research that says maybe DES, DES didn't have... Um, such a high impact, but looking at it, there is some research that, that has been shown that the brain structure of a trans person, and this was done not only in 1998, but then redone in 2018 using MRI scans, um, shows that the distinct, um, brain structure is different in a trans person that it does not match their physical gender their physical sexual characteristics we should say um and so they they have once again said that this is a way that we could actually start diagnosing um trans youth when you start looking at the brain structure between the two if it fits this then we know it's this We've got an actual physical link. And then we can actually start saying, okay, we have a physical issue. Um, we know how to work with that. Because even the World Health and the A... Uh, oh, I want to say APA, but it's not the APA. But yes, there's, uh, there's two main organizations um, and also the European Endocrinologists. Have both, all three of these groups have said it's not a mental health issue, it's a physical health issue. And when we look at this and start thinking to ourselves, we, we are finding the evidence. Now the question is, and, and I'm curious, and I am probably going to send Dr. Powers um, an email here in the next couple of um, weeks, if not days, 
seeing if we can if there is a way to trace des in the in the um in the body because it's showing and and there's there is a research that shows that it is all the way down to third generation traceable so if it's traceable how can we trace it for me and how can we trace it in certain others if this is traceable then we look at yes okay we have a possibility that it did impact um on us because what it has shown is that if you look at the structure um when a when um children are going through digestory just digest uh, gestational period yeah the developmental milestones that happen and when estrogen flushes into um, the womb, working on feminizing certain parts, where you have um, also testosterone plays a part in there. It has higher elevated at certain times, where you have genetic um, markers that also have been triggered. So if you mess with those, and, and we can say that, that it is verifiable that, you know, if you give a child drug, if a mother uses um, drugs in the womb while she has a baby in the womb, you that child can be addicted and can come out with fetal alcohol syndrome, um, can be addicted to heroin, can be addicted to any type of drugs. So if we look at what also happens is that also permanently changes that child's brain structure to be susceptible to those. Um, and there we have more evidence that DEFs might have played a part in possibly opening the doorway. And I'm not going to say it created. I'm not going to say it created the trans people as transgender. I am going to say that it opened the doorway to several um, rooms, for the lack of a better word, several opportunities for a, um, a change in the um, creation of a child during the gestational periods. So if you've opened that doorway and there is a side effect where, because we're talking DES is a massive amount. I mean, a massive amount of estrogen that women were taking. It just, when you read how much, you're just going to get kind of blown away. It wasn't just like taking, you know, um, getting pregnant and then taking um, the pill. This is, this is like getting pregnant and then taking the pill times a hundred. This is this this massive amount of estrogen idea was to if women have estrogen, maybe it's a lack of estrogen that is kicking out the babies out of the womb. And let's give them more estrogen. But not just a little bit more. You're gonna give them a freaking whopper of of um of estrogen, almost a truckload. So if this is the case and we've opened up a doorway that has changed the physical makeup of 
the child because they've now been exposed to um, hormones that are not linked to the um, actual biological triggers for that individual. And you can tweak things that way. We've, we, we know this because, i.e., drug babies. All right? Now, with research showing that it can go all the way down to third generation. So let's say that my mom, all right, has DES. And I, being trans, I still had children. There are markers in my children of the DES drug. So if that marker exists in the DES third generation, what are we looking at? How is this research... And, and granted, we're rolling dice here. We're not saying that every child that came out of a DES um, mother had a chance at being trans. But the numbers are fitting that it could have been. It could have been a opportunity that the dice are rolled. And there you have it. Now, in saying that it's it's not a surefire thing, the issue being that you people who were transgender have existed before DES, and people have existed being born fourth generation after DES. And, and it's highly possible because um, I am 50 years old that I had a child at 20. That child, 20 years later, my 40, is now a fourth generation. Now, I do not see information of um, a fourth generation DES um, from the um, CDC. It, it doesn't list any updated information on a fourth generation. Um, by the way, that's CDC, Center for Disease Control, U.S. Um, and it, it doesn't list that. And also, we also need to take a look at um, issues that exist with um, demographics. DES might not have been a worldwide usage, might have only been um, more of the um, westernized countries. So, like, Australia might have had it, very small chance. UK, small chance. United States, Canada, higher chance. Mexico, a higher chance. Because as you start to look at the way certain medicines are disseminated that are um, created in the U.S., Australia tends to be a little uh, slower in bringing them in. So, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but as, as we start to look at this, it, it does show that there is some, some issues. Now, like I'm looking at the... Um, third generation information it does only um i am really only seeing 2009 um 
Yeah, 2009 is probably the last bit of information in the CDC um, research for DES third generation. Um, there is a 2005 um, um, re a 2005 document that was done by um, JM and um, Benefita JL on um, sons of women exposed to DES, a true transgenerational effect. Um, but trans is separated. So it's almost like saying trans itself. Um, and what that is, I'll have to see if I can locate that document and have a little bit more of a read into it. But the issues that, that I'm coming up here is, is these are more um, evidence that we're seeing that this is you know, you, you cannot, um, if you choose to ignore science, then you're a freaking moron. Science is everything from the moment you drop that hammer and it hit your foot to the apple falling from the tree to the air you breathe, the water you drink, the car you drive, the computer you're using, or the iPhone you're using to listen to my voice right now or whatever device you wish to use. By the way, nothing here has been paid for by Apple, but if Apple would like to sponsor me, I'd be more than happy to accept an Apple sponsorship. Not that I really have an Apple computer. But I'd still accept one. Big smile inserted. So um, I think that as I start to dig through this idea of how um, I am trans, I have looked at... Um, many different resources and trying to figure it out. Yes, it may just be, unfortunately, my dad has A, my mom has B, and when those two people met, the roll of the dice in, ended up with F for fucked up. Um, <laughs> you know, instead of P or V, penis and vagina, you know, perfectly fine penis and perfectly fine vagina. Um, maybe, you know, we, I'm, I'm looking at this and trying to dig around and trying to find the information out as to what could be the cause. Now, I'm not saying that DES is a all-fired, perfect answer to why I am the way I am. It still doesn't change the fact that I am this way and that I can't change it. It still does not change the fact that there is no solution to it other than the current level of standardized care. Um, and and that, that you can't um, you can't deny is a real big question mark as to um, did DES do it or was it something else? But like I said, I'm, I'm I'm truly interested in trying to figure out the answer to this conundrum. I may never, I may never get it. Um, because even if I went and had an MRI done or a genetic test done, and it came back with both of them showing that, yeah, you're trans 100% or 
you're not trans through the MRI, but you are trans through the way your mind is working, or your genetics are showing something else, or you had Kinefelger syndrome, or you had some other syndrome that has been linked to people being trans. It, it, it's, it doesn't change the fact that I am trans. What makes me curious is how am I trans? Why am I trans? Not that I am trans. I'm not really going to argue that. Um, because after taking um, HRT, my life has dramatically changed in ways that I can't explain what it's been like. The chaos and the confusion is all gone now. And unless you've lived that and you know what it feels like, you can never understand it. And when we come to the issues that exist around that is how do we address it? So I am still digging. I'm still looking and still trying to figure it out. But right now I'm digging through the piles of information and possibilities and trying to work out the numbers of DES. So um, that's pretty much it for today's episode. Um, we're going to call this one DES number one because we don't know whether or not there will be a number or two. It may just fizzle out and die at DES one. But if I find out more information, I will most certainly be happy to pass it on. Like I said, you can go to uh, the CDC.gov in the United States. Um, it's forward slash DES forward slash bibliographies. Well, just forward slash DES um, would be the best way. So cdc.gov forward slash DES. Have a chance to go look at it. Realize now, and I'm, I'm saying this, even the CDC is saying this, that this information is out of date. It is, press release was for the last one was October the 5th, 2011. We've moved a long way, but it's still something to take a look at. It's still something to try and figure out what the heck is going on. Um, and it is still fascinating to possibly be a link. So I just want to say, if you like my podcast, please, please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash Alina Robbins because I could sure use your help for as low as $3 a month. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you later. Bye now.